This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, We've got some breaking news and uh, Ontario will make booster shots available sometime in 2022, including healthcare workers and everyone over the age of 70. Um, Three million more people eligible for third doses this month. Um, We'll have more details on exactly who that is in the one o'clock news, but I thought you'd want to know before we turn to our next topic. And that is, we will be turning our clocks back an hour this weekend as daylight saving time ends possibly for the last time. The province passed legislation making it permanent about a year ago, but that legislation will only come into effect should New York and Quebec decide to do the same. Yeah, that would be pretty wonky and wacky if our neighbors were in a different time zone. I agree with that. Meanwhile, many experts say that if we transition to a single time It should be standard time. What do you think? The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now let's get an expert view from Dr. Patricia Lakin-Thomas, who is an associate professor in the Department of Biology at York University. Welcome, Dr. Lakin-Thomas. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be with you, Libby. Okay, so we are turning the clocks back, getting rid of day- daylight saving time for the for the last time. So, um, uh, what do you think of that? Is that the good plan? Well, it would be a good plan if we were getting rid of the time changes and we're going to standard time permanently. So on Sunday, we're going to fall back an hour and we're going to be falling back to standard time, which is when the sun at its highest point in the sky, which would be noon, actually matches when it says noon on the clock. And that's the best time for our bodies to be synchronized with the day-night cycle, and that would be the best for everybody's health. And if that's what we were doing year-round, uh, that would be great. Unfortunately, the legislation for Ontario says what we ought to do is let our clocks move forward an hour in the spring and then keep it that way all year round. So we'd be on daylight saving time all winter. And those of us who study biological clocks think that would be a bad idea for our health. Well, uh, even now, it it is really dark when most people get up. Uh, and I guess the idea behind daylight saving time was to give us an extra hour in the afternoon. That's right. Um, in the summer, it's kind of nice to have that extra hour of light late in the afternoon, early evening for those people who have the leisure to go out and uh, use it. It was originally started back in the early 19th century by somebody who wanted to be out on the golf links a little later in the summer. But if you move that light a little later in the afternoon, it also means it's later in the morning. So in the winter, we would be getting up essentially an hour earlier according to the sun. And in Toronto, we wouldn't see the sun until 9 a.m. or later, which means most people trying to get up and get to their jobs or get kids into school are going to be doing that in complete darkness if we were to keep daylight saving time year-round. So you mentioned the golf links, and I think a lot of people have misconceptions about why it started in the first place. It was something to do with uh, agriculture and getting the crops in. Uh, That's a myth, right? Oh, yes. Farmers never liked it. Uh, Farmers will follow the sun. Their animals and their crops are going to follow what the sun is doing. And it's never been an advantage for farmers. It was actually thought of in the early 
20th century during World War I as a way to save energy, to save burning of coal for heat and light. And they tried it again in World War II and in the 1970s, always making the um, assumption that it was going to somehow save energy. But when people have gone back and looked at the numbers, it never really saved energy at all. And sometimes it was even negative. There was more energy used. So there's never been a good reason for energy saving, never been a good reason for farmers. Um, the only reasons uh, are that might be helpful for daylight saving time is that little bit of extra light on a sun, summer afternoon for a little more leisure or shopping. Yeah, I mean, in the summer, sometimes it's light, uh, it's light until nine o'clock. I like that. Yeah, well, people do like that, but then uh, in the winter, if we kept that year-round, um, you're really going to hate it in the winter when you have to get up in the dark. It's actually been tried, daylight saving time year-round, was tried in a few places. It was tried in the U.S. in the 1970s for a couple of years. The U.K. tried it year-round, daylight saving time for a few years later on. Um, Russia tried it. And people just hated it. They they would all vote for it at the beginning and say, gee, that sounds great. Let's have summertime all year round. But after the first winter, when they're getting up in the dark, uh, people just hate it. And so those countries switched back. But unfortunately, they switched back to changing the clocks twice a year, which is what we do now, instead of switching back to year-round standard time, um, which would be best for us because then we'll be closer to the sun time, which is what we need to set our biological clocks every day, and we would eliminate these problems of switching twice a year. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting, though. Um, I guess the good news sort of is I know that uh, when we spring forward, uh, there are uh, more accidents, I won't crashes, um, bad things happening, but when we fall back, not so much, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, in the spring, you're getting a double whammy because, first of all, you lose an hour of sleep. You have to set your clock an hour ahead, and everybody's a little bit sleep-deprived. And second, you're switching your clock, your social clock, from um, standard time to daylight saving time. You're essentially jet-lagging yourself by an hour because instead of being closer, at least closer synchronized um, with the... Uh, social clock, your body clock is now an hour out from that, and so you're a bit jet-lagged. So in the spring, we do see uh, increases in acute events, sudden events like accidents and workplace injuries and things like increased rates of heart attacks and strokes, uh, even judges giving harsher sentences wow. for a few days right after the time change. Maybe they're cranky and sleep-deprived. Maybe they're a bit jet-lagged. Those kind of events of effects go away after a few days or a week or so. People catch up on their sleep. They get a little more used to the the time change. Um, and we don't really see that in the fall. We don't see any significant increase in accidents or anything in the fall um, because you're getting an hour of sleep extra and you're going back closer to your body time by going back to standard time. So this coming weekend should be pretty easy for people as far as the time change. Uh, you should enjoy your extra hour of sleep and enjoy the fact that um, your body clock should now be closer to its natural sun time. Okay, hold on, everybody. We have got to take another break. Let me give the numbers out again. I'd like to hear what do you think. We're falling back this weekend. Um, the good news is there aren't too many uh, negative effects from that usually. But, um, you know, the experts all say if we move anyway, we should be moving to standard time. And the legislation says if and when we move, we'll be moving to daylight saving time. So before we go to break, the numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And we'll be back with your calls and your comments and more from Dr. Patricia Lakin-Thomas. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. 
Welcome back. I've been talking to Dr. Patricia Lakin Thomas about the time change. What's the right thing to do? What are we doing? And what is the effect on our bodies and our, you know, functioning? But right now, let us go to the phones. Daryl in Toronto. Hi, Daryl. Hi, how are we doing today? Fine. Go ahead. Okay. Okay, I think uh, we should leave things the way they are with the two switches a year. I, I appreciate the extra light during the summer very much. And um, as far as, you know, talking about our, our body, you know, our daily body rhythms, that, from my understanding, our circadian rhythms are not 24 hours in the first place. It's something like 25 and a half hours. So uh, to me, the idea of, the, the, you know, the light at night. I mean, the other alternative is why don't we just have one clock time for the whole world? and function from there. I will uh, let uh, Dr. Lakin Thomas uh, respond to the circadian thing. In the spring, when we change the clocks, why not move family day or whatever the holiday is to the Monday that we change the clocks, and then people have the weekend to adjust to, you know, a mere hour's difference. Okay, well, that's... That's above my pay grade, but hey, I, I'm curious about what you said about circadian rhythms. So we'll let Dr. Lakin. Okay. Um, so yeah, what about that? Okay. Well, that's that's uh, an interesting idea, and you're absolutely right that our body clocks, our circadian rhythms, are not 24 hours, and they are actually longer than 24 hours. Um, maybe not as long as 25. Experts kind of debate that. But that means, actually, that it's the morning light that we need to set our clocks because our clocks run a little slow. And what we need is light in the morning to reset ourselves every day so that we do stay in step with the 24-hour light-dark cycle. So you're exactly right about that. That means when we get more light in the afternoon, it makes our clocks run later. It makes us want to stay up later, and then we're trying to get up in the morning with our alarm clock, and our circadian clock is telling us, no, you want to stay in bed because we pushed our clocks later by getting light in the afternoon. So that is exactly why we, we would like to have standard time, certainly in the winter, so that we get that morning light and uh, shorten that clock period so it'll be 24 hours by resetting it a bit in the morning. And, you know, there's just no perfect answer to this. Uh, one, one time all over the world, uh, that sounds interesting, too. The idea, the ideal thing to do, of course, would be let all of us get up when our bodies tell us it's the best time to get up. But we demand that people be synchronized in society. Everybody has to get to work at the same time. They have to get their kids to school at the same time. So we just have this arbitrary system where we've divided the world up into one-hour time zones, uh, and then people living right next door to each other might be an hour off from each other because they happen to be in different time zones. So there's just no perfect solution. And um, we think that the standard time year-round is sort of the, the, the best of bad solutions, really. Uh, interesting. Do you think that people got closer to just listening to their bodies during the pandemic, during lockdown? Well, that's a good question. Uh, when we didn't have to get up and commute into the office or kids learning from home, um, I haven't really seen any evidence, any research about whether people changed their sleeping habits. And um, I think I changed mine because I didn't have to get up and commute into my office during during parts of the lockdown. Uh, that would be an interesting point, and I'm wondering if maybe people have, as you say, gotten a little more in touch with it. Certainly people have realized they don't like forcing themselves to get up early and commute a long distance into work. Okay, let us hear from Jan in Guelph. Hi, Jan. Hello, Libby. Um, how about changing it to half an hour? <laughs> this was discussed with some friends of mine last year and me, and we all thought if it was just half an hour, it would, you know, just make that difference in the morning between the dark time. It would start getting lighter sooner. Do you know well, what I'm saying? Well, have, and uh, yeah. maybe that would be the answer. Just half an hour, move it. I have heard that uh, suggested before. Um so you wouldn't really be all the way on to standard time, and you wouldn't quite be on to daylight saving time. Uh, 
if we did that year-round, I suppose it would be a little bit better than being on daylight saving time year-round, but maybe not quite as good as being on standard time. Well, anyway, just a suggestion. (laughs) Yeah, no, that, and like I say, there's just no perfect solution to this. All right, Um, thank you anyway. Yeah. Okay, Jan, thanks for that. Uh, Newfoundland is on a half hour, are they not? Well, that's right, they are. Um, So it is possible to do that. Um, I think they may be on that so that they're actually a little closer to uh, sun time where they are. If you're, you know, if you're on one side of a of a time zone compared to the other side of the time zone, people there are an hour off from each other. So if you're on the east side, you're going to see the sunrise an hour earlier than people on the west side of a time zone. And we actually have some evidence that people living on the west side of time zones who see the sun get up an hour later um, actually have decreased health outcomes compared to people on the east side. That just because you live on the west and you're going to be like an hour jet lagged compared to the people on the east side of a time zone, you can actually have populations with higher levels of things like obesity and diabetes and heart disease and even some cancer rates go up a little bit, not a huge amount, but a little bit. Uh, People are more likely to be overweight just because they live on the west side of a time zone. So we can actually see health outcomes from people who are an hour apart according to the sun, but have to live according to the same social time because they're all in the same time zone. So maybe being just a half hour off when you're on the edge of a time zone might be better for your health. Well, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I think some of those outcomes are actually worse in Newfoundland than they are here. Am I wrong about that? I don't know the data on that. Um, as far as health outcomes, it's um, it's hard to take big areas and compare them because there might be a lot of other things that are different having to do with health care delivery, lifestyle factors. So when you do this kind of research, what you want to do is you want to look right along the edge of a time zone and compare people who live like right next door to each other, but one of them is an hour off from the other just because there's a time zone line that goes down. Oh, I see. Okay. And then you say, well, they're in about the same environment. Maybe they're getting about the same, you know, healthcare delivery, same lifestyles. Um, and the only thing different is they have their clocks set an hour apart. And then you compare those people and you say, well, you know, if you're an hour jet lagged, you actually may have some lower health outcomes. Okay, let's hear from Mike in Port Credit. Hello, Mike. Hey, hi. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Thought of something. Now that we're basically all computerized, most people have smartphones. I think over, what, 75% of the people must have smartphones, at least adults. Why don't we have like a daylight savings time week where our phones automatically start losing or gaining 10 minutes a day for like six days? Well, so we could all ease into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's what's recommended sometimes for people in the spring who uh, know that they're going to feel bad after that one-hour jet lag. And this is what we would recommend to you, of course, if you're traveling, if you're flying across time zones, spend a few days ahead of time easing into it so we, that you don't have that sudden change. So we would um, just allow the computer program to do it for us. We, we would not, wouldn't even have to think it. Yeah, yeah. You just have to get everybody on board with that. That's the problem. Take care. Well, Dan, <laughs> the, remember earlier this week, people who were on Bell, uh, their their phones, their time got changed early, and it was a, a big uh, mess up. So Yeah, mine did. I, I stared at my phone in the morning and went, wait a minute, what? <laughs> okay, yeah. So I don't know if we want to rely on computers for absolutely everything. Uh, I think we have time for one more call. Tony in Toronto. Hello, Tony. Yeah, I mean, like before they had the time zones, it was like you, you were you were on the sun clock. You could be at a train station, and it's two minutes off. The whole thing is why they figured it out was to try and make things easier for us. You know, you want to say, well, so such a such a crime happened that in Scarborough might be a minute different than in Etobicoke, right? You got to have something. And for me personally, I like I like having the extra daylight at the end of the day because I'm. Well, even I'll get up whenever I need to get up, but I prefer the evening time versus the morning time being light. I don't want to, you know, like in the summer, when, if, if, you, if you're not on daylight savings time, it, it sunrises 4.30. Maybe that's okay yeah. if you're flawed. 
So you're lucky if you if you uh, have a lifestyle that lets you get up when you want to get up. That's what would be ideal for all of us. And yeah, you're right that the whole time zone thing started in the late 19th century for train timings. And before that, everybody in every village and town had their own time. You would set your local clock by the sun. You'd actually use a sundial to set the village clock. And so everybody would be on sun time. And then when the train started in and you had to synchronize everyone across a whole train schedule, they decided to divide the world up into into time zones and standardize the time. But that's great. If you really can set your own timing, then you can kind of ignore what everyone else's social clock is doing. You're lucky if you can do that. Uh, Dr. Lakin Thomas, uh, we only have a few seconds left. What would you like to leave us with quickly? Uh, if we can, let's all switch to year-round standard time to be closer to the sun time and be healthier. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Patricia Lakin Thomas. And that is all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's the 100th anniversary of the adoption of the poppy as a symbol of remembrance. In Flanders Field, the poppies blow. The poppies blow between the crosses. Flanders Field, the poppies blow. That is Marilyn Lightstone reading the iconic poem in Flanders Field. The poem inspired the use of the poppy as a symbol of remembrance, and it was actually started by a French woman and adopted by the organization that later became the Royal Canadian Legion in 1921. Now, this year, as the organization is hoping for a return to a kind of normal campaign, after it was disrupted by the pandemic, there is another Remembrance Day controversy. It's about the tradition of lowering our flags to half-mast to honor the sacrifices our veterans have made. But you can't lower them if they're already lowered, which they have been with the proviso that they remain so indefinitely because of the discovery of the unmarked graves of Indigenous children on the sites of former residential schools. Now, the Prime Minister says he's consulting with Indigenous leaders. And I am confident that the conversations with uh, Indigenous leadership on making sure we are able to lower the flags once again on November 11th um, will uh, come at the right solution. Well, meanwhile, many Indigenous people have ancestors, loved ones who served, and they want to honour them. What do you think? Should the flags be allowed to be raised so they can be lowered on Remembrance Day. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I'm joined by Brian Harris, Vice President of the Royal Canadian Legion and the Ontario Provincial Poppy Chair. Chris Sankey, a senior fellow at the Macdonald Laurier Institute, a former elected councillor for the LAC Qualams Band, I hope I said that right, as well as Kat Krieger, a traditional teacher and knowledge keeper of the Cayuga Nation Turtle Clan. Hello and welcome to you all. Thank you for having me. Okay, well, let us begin with Brian Harris. Um, hi, Brian. Uh, first of all, w- what was your reaction uh, when you realized that the tradition of lowering the flags uh, may not be on this year? Well, that's that's a situation that's uh, been brought up um, um, by the Prime Minister. As far as the Royal Canadian Legion is concerned, we have a policy. Our flags have been lowered to half-staff um, um, since, I believe it was May. And the directive that we have from our Dominion Command is on uh, for our Remembrance Day services, the, uh, the flags will be raised um, so they can be lowered at half-mast. 
and they will remain at half mass during the Remembrance Day services. They will be raised back up at the conclusion of the service, and then they will be lowered again back to half mass where they were before the start of the service. And that is that is our policy, and that's what we're instructing our branches to do. Yeah, but again, what was your reaction that you had to go through all this, that this might be an issue? We don't consider it an issue whatsoever. We we lowered the, the flags out of respect for what happened, but also we have a tradition of how to conduct the Remembrance Day services. And uh, for those uh, brief moments during the service, we're going to follow the tradition that uh, we've always followed for Remembrance Day, which honors all veterans. Uh, Chris Sankey, uh, what's your view of this? Well, I, I could understand um, why they lowered the, the, the flags that have mass for the, the lost children on marked graves. Uh, many of my family members uh, went to residential school, uh, including some of my siblings, both uh, in residential school and day school. Um, I understand there's a lot of trauma um, people ask me this question all the time, and I talk about when somebody, uh, and a, somebody that's recovering from addiction, they're traumatized by this, what society has been able to put them into. And then when they ask about Indigenous people, I said, well, it's every day. We live with trauma every day. And it's, it's really hard for me to explain that, but those that are Indigenous could understand what, I, what I'm saying this very second. But that said, I have a grandfather that fought in World War II. And I want to remember him. I want to honor him. Um, it's a it's a huge symbol to so many of our our communities. They're heroes, uh, not just in our communities, but to Canada. Um, and I want to be able to celebrate that in a way that's meaningful, out of respect for not only him, but for all those that who have sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice and those who sacrificed and came home who had to deal with the, 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 the traumas of war. And I think that I, I'm hopeful that um, that they will come to terms and, and raise the flag very soon. Um, I don't want to be remembering that day where there's a controversy between the two. It shouldn't be that way. I really believe that it's important to honor and remember those young children that never made it home. And um, and my grandfather and so many others, right? It's 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 so key. So I, I I really hope that our leaders that are advising the prime minister um, come together and solve this thing and and raise the flag out of respect for our veterans. There are so many uh, indigenous veterans that are out there that deserve to be honored, and I am certain they are thinking about those young children who never made it home, and those who did, who have had to live with trauma their entire lives. I'm Kat- hoping they could collaborate on this issue and solve it and, and raise the flag. Kat Krieger, what about you? What are your thoughts? You know, I'm following along with what's been said so far. and um, Actually, my father joined the Canadian Army just before I was born in the early 50s. And we were transferred to different places in the world, one of them being uh, Germany in 1960. So that was right when they were building the Berlin Wall. So there's that whole connection, and afterwards with the military and the, um, you know, the the Remembrance Day ceremonies on the military army bases are really huge. That that flag is lowered, and we remember all those who were lost. At the same time, being Indigenous, um, you know, I, I see a, a a connection here in that we're honoring the ones who did not return home. So for me, it's it's a similar thing to what was just said, where. Um, I want to see those ones remembered, including, you know, my father. Although he wasn't in the war, um, he did serve in the military. And consequently, we knew many, many veterans. And that's ingrained in me to respect them and to recognize the ones who didn't return home. And at the same time, the you know, the discovery of the graves, again, we're recognizing ones who didn't return home. So my mindset is of recognizing and honoring our ancestors, those ones who are no longer um, you know, here with us. And I have to recognize all my ancestors, whether they happen to be you know, in the military, whether they are you know, relatives who were subject to residential school. It's, 
interesting that those who returned from the war were considered survivors. Our young ones who went to residential schools are considered survivors. And it's so different being working within the academic system. And, you know, if, we, if they come out of academic system, they're considered graduates. But that focus on that day, this, this November 11th, that recognizing our veterans, I think that should still go on in the way it has for a century. Um, and then we go back again afterwards and that flag goes up and comes back down just to say, you know, the whole idea is lest we forget in both cases. Um, Chris, uh, I, I just have a question about who who is the decider? Who's the arbiter? I mean, the prime minister says he's talking to indigenous leaders. So, I mean, who who will make this decision? And are you comfortable with that? I don't know. I, I'll be really honest. I don't know who he is um, speaking with and getting advice from. I, I don't know. I, I'll be just honest about that. I, I, I agree that we should really respect the, the symbol of our, our, our flag and the, the respect for our, our, our fallen and our, our veterans, and then we should go back. But it, it, I really believe it needs to be raised. We need to, we need to in, my, in our culture, we always say we follow tradition. Like we need to follow and understand and respect our ancestors well. The same goes for our veterans. Like, I, I, I respect my grandfather. I mean, he, he went over there. He survived and came back. And, you know, the stories I hear later and the things he had to endure from, you know, the traumas of war. And, you know, I, I want to be able to respect that. It's, it's important to me. It's important to the communities. It's important to my family. It's, it's very important. And then we could go back. But I honestly don't know who the Prime Minister is uh, receiving his advice from on this very matter. And Kat, do you know, and and are you on board with uh, who the designated, because at the end of the day, it's Trudeau's decision. Yeah, I, I, I like to think, and, you know, there's always voice from the community to either our leaders or to Mr. Trudeau, I like to think, and that I'm not sure who the ultimate decision maker is in that. But I think the obligation there is to listen to the people, um, to hear the words, even the words that are being said here and now, and to look at that idea that, you know, the idea is to remember. Uh, That's, you know, my immediate thoughts on that. We have to honor those ones who passed um, two different concepts, but, you know, maybe in a sense both were conflicts, uh, cultural conflict and the, the, the conflict of the war itself. So I'm... Again, I'm not sure who makes that ultimate decision, but I like to think within a democracy that we listen to the voice of the people and also the moral thought itself, which just says inside of me, uh, we need to honor both. And if there's some protocol of raising the flag, lowering the flag, uh, raising the flag, lowering the flag, then that, that kind of needs to happen so that we, we don't forget. Brian Harris, uh, was the Legion consulted at all about all of this as, as far uh, as you know, and, and how did you come to your decision? Well, I'm quite sure that uh, the, uh, the government did reach out to the Royal Canadian Legion at Dominion Command, and uh, they would have had their input, and then our input would follow that of the military traditions and uh, also, the flag protocols that are in place uh, uh, for Canada. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it uh, it seems uh, a, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but uh, the poppy campaign was disrupted last year because of the pandemic, because of lockdowns, and it's very symbolic year. It's the hundredth anniversary. Uh, you feel like you're just getting back to normal, and kind of now this. Well. Yes, COVID, COVID did have a great effect on the uh, poppy campaign last year, but I will say that Canadians were most generous and they, they uh, did recognize the good work that the Royal Canadian Legion does and they were, they were there with their donations and I'm sure they will be there again this year. And these situations occur and the strength of an organization is, is how you, uh, how you react to these, um, these instances that happens, and what we're doing is we're taking the approach to to do the uh, the best possible practices and and follow the traditions as best we can. 
Okay, let's uh, go to the phones. Our phone lines are filling up. Let's begin with Norman Aurelia. Hello, Norm. Hello. Um, just commenting on uh, our flag raising and lowering. Um, you know, we've always served our military people that fell overseas during the First Second World War. I was in the armed forces myself. I wore a United Nations TAM for a while. I served in Germany as well, Lord. And, uh, you know, I think our governments need to look at one thing. If they served in our military, they would know what the respect was of our fallen dead. But our prime minister and his father never served overseas. I heard many stories about how his father refused to go. And, you know, money talks in, in situations like that, but I think we need to lower, open our, put our flag up, and put our flag down. I cannot see First Nations leaders saying that they would not respect their dead, and they were lost a lot of people as well. And I served with some of the First Nations people, and they respected what we did. Um, I hear you, and uh, I think our our uh, Indigenous guests agree with you. Thank you, Norm, for your call. Uh, let's go to Jody in Toronto. Hello, Jody. Hi, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. Libby, Prime Minister Trudeau has described the situation with the uh, residential school as a black mark on our history. We have many, many black marks on our history, be it the indigenous, Japanese, the Chinese, the Europeans. Yes, spots. But we have evolved. We have evolved, and we are the best country in the whole world. And we have to take pride in that and keep our pride and respect for how we got there. People have given lives. They have sacrificed for what we have. I think the flag should be lowered in recognition of Remembrance Day and then raised and kept raised. We cannot let one particular thing that happened in the past to eclipse what we and that's all I have to say. Okay, Jody, thanks for that. And Joe in Mississauga. Hi, Joe. Hi, Libby. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Good. First of all, I'd just like to thank you for all the work you do on your show for the seniors and the senior homes and keeping people aware of what's going on and everything. Oh, I really appreciate that. that. And, um, well, what I have to say, I, I think it, it, it's imperative that we have to we have to lower the flag and raise it again because... It's just there's just too many things have gone wrong with our with our veterans over the years and and, and the lack of respect and uh, and and the way things are uh, the memory of our soldiers from the World War One and two it's fading away every year and and if um if if they're not going to lower the flags raise the flags and lower the flags and I'm I'm going to be very very ashamed to be a Canadian that's just going to that's just going to be the ultimate slap in the face it, it, it just they, they have to do it and, and i can't see anybody having a problem with it with the first nations because it's going to be back to normal again after remembrance day they have to respect what they did okay joe thanks for that uh you know joe brought up a, a whole other issue related to this and that is the whole issue of of remembrance you know um Pretty soon, there there really won't be anybody left from uh, who served in the Second World War. Uh, it's interesting. I, I talked to a number of veterans. Uh, we have a show coming up uh, next Monday, and you know, a couple of their their you know, knock wood or whatever. I'm knocking ninety seven years old. So um, the whole issue of remembrance and the ceremony, Brian Harris. I mean. Um, is is even if if we are if we proceed with the ceremony as you are at legions is that enough well i don't know if it's a it's enough but it's the right thing to do remembrance day is to remember and commemorate those who have served and who are serving all veterans and and i think we need to to continue that on, we, we don't want to see an asterisk beside a, a year for Remembrance Day that uh, says that we altered our traditions. I think I think that would be uh, would be a shame. And um, so 
we we go on the premise that that uh, all veterans, um, past and in present, need to be remembered and also be thanked. Those who are serving right now. So it's about remembrance. And it's also about gratitude and uh, thanking those who are still serving. Uh, Chris Sankey, uh, does the government do enough for particularly Indigenous veterans? And do we do enough to remember them? I mean, um, you know, I know that there's a possibility that some Indigenous war heroes may get a stamp, but um, have we celebrated them enough? I think when you... In all accounts, obviously, I'm, I've never been to war, and I never would want to go to war. Um, and I, I, every time I, I think of Remembrance Day, and I even watch History Channels, I always think about what that, what my grandfather and millions of others have, must have been feeling in that very moment of the ultimate um, decision to whether you're going to live or die. And I don't believe at that when you're in that situation, someone's thinking about color or race or religion, you're just, you're, you're, um, you're just thinking about the man beside you or the woman beside you. And when I think of veterans day, um, you know, in our communities, I know we remember people like my grandfather at the community level. Um, I don't know if there is enough. I got really no, uh, expression or opinion whether or not this government it, um, acknowledges our veterans uh, over one or the other. Um, if he does, great. If the government does, great. But I really believe that you know every man and woman that were was at this war, all they saw was a human being and and to fight for their country and to do the best we can to get out of this alive and. You are here because of every single man and woman that went to war. We're living this life that we have and granted the life we have because those who made the ultimate sacrifice um, and, and, and for those who made it home because of that sacrifice, you know, we're not a perfect country. And, you know, residential school is a dark time, but I, I really hope that our country could start coming together and, we need to start moving forward. I, I, we need to acknowledge the past. We need to acknowledge history. We should never forget what happened to our vets and those that are still with us today. And we should never forget the past, but learn from it so that never happens again. And, and again, I, I just, I think of Veterans Day. I think of every man and woman that, that went there and really it's why we're here today. Okay, I want to give the numbers out again. Uh, we are talking about uh, whether the Prime Minister will decide that government buildings can uh, raise and lower the flags again on Remembrance Day, because right now they were all at half-mast. He says he's consulting. Our, our guests here today aren't sure who he's consulting with. Um, and frankly, uh, there are a lot of people out there who think that the Prime Minister's kind of stance on this is, uh, I'd use the word, performative. So what do you think? 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Kat Krieger, I mean, going beyond the question of Remembrance Day, uh, keeping the flags at half-mast, uh, is, is, do you think that is the right thing to do, or should we be moving on from that? Um, there, there's a long question again, you know, I, I really was kind of hoping while you were talking that Mr. Trudeau himself was going in. Um, <laughs> but I, if I he does, we'll take his that. call. Oh, good. good. <laughs> you know, the, again, I see the, you know, we're recognizing those who are lost and, you know, part of that is culture. Part of that is tradition. Part of that is ceremony. These are important to all people. And I wouldn't want to stand in the way of someone's ceremony any more than I would want somebody to stand in the way of my ceremonies. So that respect goes both directions. And I think there's a balance to be found. Maybe 
uh, you know, if the flags go up and come down for that Remembrance Day. That's what I'm used to. That's what I grew up with. As I said, I was, you know, a military base. And we were stationed in Germany while they were building the Berlin Wall. There were still shots being fired every now and then. Oh, wow. Um, I still recall as a little kid going to the aircraft hangar and my dad pointing out his helicopter and showing me holes in the tail boom, uh, saying those were bullet holes. And I'm being, you know, concerned as, as a kid, you know, what happens if my dad doesn't come home? And as an Indigenous person, what happens if my children don't come home? And to me, I think there's uh, an equity in recognizing both. So maybe those flags should go up, come back down and recognize that ceremony, go back up, come back down and recognize our, our missing uh, and murdered youth. And then I'm not sure where it should go from there. This is This is part of building relationships, recognition going both ways. We're recognizing the ones that together we lost, our relatives, whether Indigenous or not. And certainly, the Indigenous veteran treatment was different from the mainstream. There's some more stuff people can investigate if they like. We were disenfranchised. You were no longer considered Indigenous. You lost your status. You lost whatever land you might have been, part, um, you know, had on the reserves. So there was all kinds of stuff going on like that. That's changing as we reveal history and say we all need to be honored. Okay, let's uh, take a call uh, from Mr. Trudeau comes in. <laughs> Jerry, Jerry in Burlington. It's it's not Mr. Trudeau. <laughs> Hi, Jerry. Hello. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Well, I think that the uh, flag should be uh, lowered. I mean, put higher and then lowered for the Remembrance Day and stay up because we cannot. Uh, forever have the the flag uh, half mast, uh, and it is isn't it ironic that the person who is deciding about this uh, fact disrespected, uh, you know the uh, you know the the, um, uh, the the Indian you know the the, the tragedy tragedy that happened by going. Uh, uh, snow or uh, sailing, you know, to Tofino. And he, it doesn't cost him anything, but he decides about this important thing. Like we as Canadians have nothing to be ashamed of, and we cannot have the shame going forever and forever. So I'm for staying, the the, the flag staying uh, raised after Remembrance Day. Okay, Jerry. Uh, yeah, a lot of people would say we do have a lot of things to be ashamed of. But yeah, the question is, um, you know, my question on all of this is that if the flags are lowered indefinitely, doesn't that kind of empty it of meaning? Um, let's take a call from Helen in Toronto. Hello, Helen. Hi. My grandfather was in the war, in the First World War. He's buried in Prospect Cemetery. They always told us there was young people, 17 and 18, went to war. They never came back. How do their families feel about all this? I say we should wear the flag for the 11th and raise it again as we should. And we should never forget the people of the war because they're the ones that helped us. If, not, if they didn't fight for us, we wouldn't be here now. Thank you for that, Helen. Okay, um, we are out of time on this. I'm going to go around and see what people would like to leave us with on this very important topic. Brian Harris in London. Yes, well, I'd, uh, I would like people to uh, remember the tradition of Remembrance Day. Please um, wear a poppy and... Uh, if you're allowed by your local health units, go to your local cenotaph or legion where Remembrance Day services are going on and perform that act of remembrance as we have for 100 years. Kat Krieger. Um, I, for one, will actually be speaking at a, one of the Remembrance Day gatherings. I will be wearing a poppy. Um, I would expect that flag to descend while that last post is being played maybe to come up again. Um, part of me would like to see it come back down. I don't know about indefinitely. Um, that's a very long time. You know, maybe part of you know some of the traditional concepts where 
we watch something through all four cycles of, of the seasons, a complete cycle of the sun, if you would, um, and concentrate at that time also on, on remembering those indigenous ones who have passed, both, uh, you know, from our residential schools. So maybe there's some traditional input from our leaders on what that should look like. But I, for one, will be wearing a poppy. And Chris Sankey. Oh, I'm going to do what I do every year in remembering my father and, uh, sorry, my grandfather and those who who fallen and those who survived. And um, look, yeah, I, I know the country is not perfect, and I, I've seen it, and so many of us have seen it. Um, but I really believe we we need to raise the flag, and then lower it for our veterans, and then raise it. Um, I thought long and hard about this. I. It, it's really important to me. I, I want to be a proud Indigenous person of Canada, and that flag does make some symbol to me of who I am. Even though not a perfect history, it's important that we remember our veterans. And I, I just don't want to remember that day um, as a controversy over the flag. I wanted to. I want to remember, and that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, I, there was a comment earlier from one of your, your callers about the Prime Minister heading over to Fino on the very first day of Reconciliation Holiday. Next year, that's all I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember that controversy that happened that was all over the news on our very first holiday. I don't want that same outcome for veterans and that day of November 11th. Very well said. And, Thank you so much to all of you, Kat Krieger, Brian Harris, and Chris Sankey. Uh, really appreciate your time. And um, we look forward to Remembrance Day. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, are you ready to turn the clocks back this weekend? Um, what do you think? Daylight saving time is going to end. And a lot of people think, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on that. Okay. So let me give the numbers out again before we go to break. You will be able to weigh in 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.